Welcome to episode 61 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, <laughs> if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 61 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I am not just here with Jen Stevens. We have a super special guest that I am so excited about. I am just smiling. I am just so excited. <laughs> we have Ori Hoffmeckler on the podcast. Ori, how are you today? Very good. And uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. And I'm looking forward for this conversation too. Oh, thank you for being here. We are so glad I'm to so have excited. you. So for listeners, 
Many of you are probably very familiar with Ori's work, but I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's basically, in my opinion, the grandfather of intermittent fasting uh, in the popular world. He wrote The Warrior Diet, which actually, Ori, that book, that's how I was first introduced to intermittent fasting about seven years ago. I, I, I didn't actually read the book at the time. I read an online blog post about it, but that's when I decided to start intermittent fasting. I said I would do it for a week and it's been seven years. So you are like such a foundational person in my life. But Ori has also written many other books. He's written The Anti-Estrogenic Diet. He's written Maximum Muscle, Minimum Fat, Unlock Your Muscle Gene. And for listeners, one that's very relevant to our podcast, he wrote The Seven Principles of Stress, which is just really amazing. So there are so many topics to cover, so many things we could talk about, but just to start things off, Ori, your personal journey, how did you personally come to discover intermittent fasting and how has it played a part in your life? Like, how did you, how did it come about <laughs> as a thing for you? Uh, as a teenager, I was in, engaged in very intense sport activity. I'm too big for my sport, but I did gymnastics and uh, trained very hard. Won the championship of high school in Israel for gymnastics. Uh, too tall and too heavy to be a gymnast at that time, but I start to realize that um, eating the typical six meals a day disrupted my achievement. I also had to keep weight. Uh, but at that time, it was not a full awareness. During the military service, I realized in a very intense way that when I follow intermittent fasting, that means when I minimize my eating during the active hours of the drills or of the day, or when I need to stay alert to better survive, I function much, much better than than comparison to situation when I'm after full meal. That's actually how my concept for intermittent fasting started, simply by trial and error. It is only later on when I studied in the Hebrew University uh, that this theory came into place along with the science and the history behind. I soon realized that some of the greatest group of warriors in the, in the history, particularly the Spartan, the ancient Greeks, and the Romans, methodically follow intermittent fasting as part of their routine. And that definitely affected the way they uh, manage to keep themselves in the great shape that we know them. It's funny because uh, Alexander the Great was asked who defeated close to a million Persian soldiers in only 60,000 Macedonian warriors, was asked, how did you manage to defeat them with such a gap in numbers? And he said, because the Persians have very bad eating habit. They eat constantly around the day, and they are very spoiled in their choices. They don't, their concept of a frugal diet was not right. Um, more and more research, 20 or even 30 years ago, show that when we restrict ourselves to frugal food, basic food to which we evolved to, and when we follow a feeding cycle that we evolved to of one main meal a day, we are doing incredible better, incredibly better than otherwise. This is how it started with me. I love that. I love the historical approach that you take to it. I think that that's so unique and something that a lot of the uh, the people who advocate intermittent fasting, they don't really go into that aspect of it. So that's what I remember from the warrior diet, all the elaborate history. Me too. It's so interesting. Thank you for mentioning because, listen, it's go far beyond. The science is there, and I always love to bring the science in my book. It's very important to show the facts. But again, science is about prediction, life is about surprise, and we are about both. There's also the spiritual aspect. You can clearly see in virtually all religions 
how people go into fasting when they want to reach a higher spiritual phase. There's something about beating the body that does the job. Um, you basically reset it in your whole system to improve, to adapt and improve, not just biologically, also spiritually. And um, it is very interesting because according to Jewish mysticism, which is called the Kabbalah, everything has to come, the purpose of everything is to come to a higher level of spirituality. But paradoxically, everything has to come through the earth. It's almost like a battery that keep going, cycling back and forth from earth and high, from earth and high. You just don't go yourself, uh, bring yourself high. And um, I really believe that the diet approach that I follow, perhaps you follow, uh, is very close to this concept of basically creating a gap during the day when you don't eat at all, spiritually charging yourself, also triggering your body to reset itself. But going back to earth and get the best out of it, get the most frugal food that earth provide you. I'm personally, I'm no one jump, jumping the gun too early maybe. I personally stop eating meat. I do not eat meat. Uh, mostly because for humanitarian reason, I don't believe in killing intelligent animals, definitely not mammals. And I do believe that cows, pigs, uh, and all avians are intelligent animals. We rescue animals here. Uh, and I feel them, and they have a soul. And um, I find it very difficult uh, to eat animal with a knowing, with a knowledge that that was a living, beautiful, intelligent thing. But that's on the humanitarian side. On the biological side, there is growing evidence that animal flesh and animal fat including those that the paleo diet endorse, contain inflammatory cytokines, inflammatory hormones that are as bioactive and affecting your body the same way. That doesn't, I'm not just mentioning the hormone estrogen that we have too much of it in our life today. I'm talking about inflammatory hormones um, and markers like TNF, uh, nuclear, uh, sorry, nuclear fat or kappa beta, a critical marker of cancer as we get older, this nuclear factor, this marker, keep increasing our day, we need to reduce it. And we get it from eating meat. So it's not just the macronutrient. I'm not even relating to them. The saturated fat, which is not good for us, they're coming from flesh. And the fact that meat provides us, yes, it provides us good amino acid, supposed to be. But it also provides us with the wrong signals that's on the biological side. Already talked about the humanitarian side. There's also the spiritual side. Look, we need to be connected to the earth. So everything that comes from the earth, we evolve to do well. Human evolve in open grassland and later on open woodland in East Africa and Central Africa. So we did very well on everything that came from the grass, grasses, leafy greens, sprouts, including legumes. Legumes is actually was almost a sacred food. It's one of the first food that mentioned in the Bible, if you believe in it. But I can definitely argue in a second or two why legumes that paleo diet don't want to eat, don't allow you to eat, are actually one of the greatest superfood if you know how to treat it. And I, I'd like to argue that. So um, we evolved to live in a world where we are much more gatherer than hunters. All our essential nutrients actually coming from plants, not from meat. You can live very long time without meat. You cannot survive without plant food, evidently. The exception, in my opinion, is milk, maybe a little bit honey, milk coming from an eggs. These are not, this food do not involve killing, no evidence on inflammatory hormones in good milk from grass-fed animals. So I do believe, and also fish. Well, right now, maybe it's my default. I don't feel sorry enough for the fish that I eat. But if I would, 
I would stop eating it too. Yeah, I think that that's a great point to mention that um, a lot of this came out of your humanitarian feelings towards animals. And I know that a lot of our um, listeners may share that as well. I'm curious what a day to you looks like. Like what, how do you start your day? What do you eat? When do you eat? What do you drink? What, what does that look like for you at this point in your life? I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. I used to be more sophisticated in past, no longer. So I like to chew things. I don't like to drink food. I believe that the saliva have to walk and it, it play a major job in our ability, not just to digest food, but also to get the right signal um, to the liver and the digestion tract, also the right signal of satiety in the brain. For, for any one of your followers who are interested in losing weight, do your own research and you see the difference and the great amount of evidence that's coming on the downfall of shakes, or of uh, drinking food that otherwise should have come as solid food. We are really missing a lot by not using our saliva and chewing. So I started there usually, that's except for green. You can do green vegetable juices. There is a huge advantage on the anti-inflammatory and cleansing effect on the body. Um, You probably heard about this uh, alternative nitric oxide pathway, the nitrate nitrate nitric oxide pathway which is activated by absorbing nitrate from food, particularly green vegetables and beets. I start the morning with my coffee. I love coffee. I came from a place that we just live on good coffee. Start the morning. I'm also a big fan of coffee, and I believe that it's good if you know how to use it. Yes. You do too? How do you drink it? I grind my own beans every morning and just drink it black, just black coffee. Like mud? <laughs> well, I do I do like a, a robust robust coffee. <laughs> like Turkish coffee, basically. I drink a Cuban a Cuban coffee. Ah, it's the same thing. It's interesting. In the Mediterranean, that's how they drink coffee. That's how they drink. I do it similar, but I like the French press because I, I like the clearance of a strong coffee. I drink it very slowly. Uh, honestly, after fasting, it's great. Then I usually like to chew greens, uh, parsley, cilantro, etc. every morning. I heard you talk about that on another podcast. And Jen, you're not going to like this, <laughs> but I've started doing that. And I really notice a difference from it. Chewing on the parsley or chewing on cilantro, it just has this like really cleansing effect. And I know Jen, cause Jen is very, um, very intense <laughs> on her clean fasting, like nothing, 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 nothing. Yeah. But um, I've started to do it, and I don't think for me that I don't feel like it breaks my fast or anything. But I, I really feel the the cleansing effect from it, especially like like the the pure, the breath effect and everything. So you've got me hooked on that. It's my new habit. <laughs> Coffee is usually acidify the body a bit, but beside we uh, evolved to get greens. The, the path we just talked about is not just a theory. It's in fact, it puts your body immediately in anti-inflammatory mode. In fact, I would dare to say the certain kind of what I call under eating. That means certain kind of food, not only complement your fasting, they make your fasting more effective than otherwise. Fasting is always good. It's always good, except for some clinical cases, which I don't want to touch now because of common uh, disclaimers or whatever it is. But for people who are healthy, and some people who are also unhealthy, like overweight people, if they know into moving, fasting can never fail. Where there was an evolutionary advantage for us to benefit from fasting because we were forced to endure fasting. We and other species, and massive research show show that. But I think there was a missing link here uh, in the research still is. What kind of nutrient, what kind of food can benefit your fasting and maybe even improve upon water fasting? I do believe that greens with unlimited, in fact, sounds crazy, but if somebody constantly for 10 hours grazing or cucumber, pasta, Cannot get wrong, uh, but you're not going to do it because you're going to get very strong signal of satiety. So what happened when uh, 
Other people fast, let's say they fast for 10 hours, let's say that, or 12 hours. In many cases, they can finish in an acidic uh, environment. Still good uh, production of a lot of lactic acid, etc. Um, even ketone bodies. Uh, a person who brings greens to the body at least once a day will improve upon the fact that you feel refreshed, you feel better, you know, body or door better. It's really a good sign of health. That's the way it should be. In my next, in my latest book, The Seven Principles of Stress, I gave a list of food and nutrient that do could even boost the effect of fasting far beyond conventional thinking. But all that say, those who still insist on water fasting, they're still doing a very good job. <laughs> yeah, I stick to water and coffee um, or uh, also promote tea. I don't like tea, but tea would be something I would, would consider having. What kind of tea do you drink and you don't like it? I don't like any tea. I know that's in, I'm from the South, the United States, and everyone here drinks tea, and I just have never been a big tea drinker. So why are you drinking tea if you don't like it? <laughs> I've tried to drink it here and there, I, but I think that it would still be okay during the fast, but I don't, I don't enjoy it. You know, tea and coffee have very similar uh, properties, and um I'm, I'm really a big believer that especially people who fast their senses, taste senses and priorities are much more in tune with the body. If your body tells you not that you don't like something and you keep repeating and you don't grow into that, my recommendation, leave it alone for a while or try to find an alternative. You should be able to enjoy every moment. It's very similar to what exercise do. Those who never exercise can build a phobia against exercise. It's painful. It's this. They will find an excuse not to do it. But once you start it, there's no way you're going to get back and stop exercising. It's really something that can grow on you. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's true. I don't know if you I'm, – I'm sure that you two are exercising now. Just imagine yourself that somebody will take away your freedom to exercise. How miserable you can become. But for other people, it looks like a frightening experience. So if after years of fasting, you don't like something, I think you should ask yourself, maybe your body, my, your body tell me something that I don't need right now. And I should find an alternative. That's my opinion. You, life is too short to consume things that you don't like. Food should never be medicine. Should be treated with pleasure. Yep. I chew parsley, probably you too. I enjoy it. It tastes great in the morning. It really gives you a good feeling. Oh, it does. I had never, I never tried it before, actually. And then I heard you talk about it, and I was like, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something I'd love to hear you talk about more that you talk about a lot in the seven principles of stress. So going back to the whole fasting and the whole stress thing. So, so many people are so worried that fasting is a detrimental stress, that it's taxing on the body, that you're, that you're doing harm to your body. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about like the science and the details and the biology of why fasting is a hormetic stress. So how it benefits the body and how it doesn't tear us down, but actually makes us stronger. This is a key question, basically. Uh, there's no question that fasting is inherent to our life. We evolve in a world that our species had to fast for most of the day, or at least certain periods in time during the year, we had to endure prolonged hours of fasting every day or something a whole day or eat every other day. Uh, there were many articles that were published about this and not just us. It's true uh, for wolves, tigers, lions, every mammal, including rabbits and mice. Um, there was an evolutionary advantage for this, all these species to be able to endure lack of food or complete lack of food because otherwise the species will not survive. The way nature, the way God, nature and evolution work, that 
when you face stress, like nutritional stress, like lack of food, um, to keep you alive, um, you start to activate system. It's called the stress response system. It exists in all species, from bacteria to human, that produce molecules and compounds that allow you to resist the stress that you are facing. It could be heat stress, cold stress, or nutritional stress, such as lack of food, hence fasting. So at this point, the body is getting into a survival mode when it is energy utilization mechanisms start to be more efficient. Very soon, there is a switch from carbohydrate to fat fuel. And then the fat fuel itself can switch to ketonic food, which is the best survival fuel. We'll talk about it later if needed. But most importantly, body activated system, it's called heat shock protein response. These are 300 types of proteins start to percolate in your system that would otherwise not be activating this way. Their job is to search and destroy every weak and sick element in your body. Inside the cell, in a process which is called autophagocytosis, it's called cellular cleansing, they digest and remove and recycle every broken protein. Weak, sick cells and cancer cells are being digested, really literally digested out of your circulation. Most people don't have a chance to activate this system even a minute a day because they constantly eat. They are never in a fasting state. But when you're in a fasting state, you reach an awesome situation that for hours a day, your body keeps restoring its ability not only to survive, its ability to fight the aging process. Yes, men and women, you have this awesome power to defeat the aging process as a bonus. Not only that you are going to survive the day better, you're going to survive the years better. And when you do it the way you do it, in a good intermittent fasting of at least, I would say, six up to 18 hours a day, some people do, um, imagine yourself the awesome benefit. However, I can say much more about However, that said, fasting can be also detrimental, like any other stress, when you overdo it. Mm -hmm. The idea, when you extend stress for many people, evac from all people, but different people react differently, extension of stress beyond a certain threshold for the individual can cause a situation of chronic stress. Chronic stress is always detrimental. It's actually shut down all the advantages that we just talked. The difference between intermittent fasting and starvation is radical. Starvation can kill you, deteriorate you, while fasting can heal you. I have a question, a question just about what you just said. How how can someone tell? Are there signs that someone can look for to know? Because I know that not everyone has the same optimal length of fasting. For some people, your body may perceive it as stress sooner than someone else's. So how can somebody know if they are fasting too much for their body? Do you have any, any tips for that? I was just about to ask that exact question. <laughs> it's exactly what I was wanted to come into. There are symptoms of chronic stress. And that you cannot just detect it instantly, you know. Um, you need to give yourself a certain period of time, sometimes a days or a week, but you can see clearly what happened under chronic stress. First of all, anxiety, tension. You just can't relax. Second, disruption in sleeping pattern. You don't sleep well. You don't sleep well or you can't even sleep at all, some people. Then a tendency to either overeat or undereat. You don't reach the right satiety signal. Your relationship with food is just not good. And many people under chronic stress have a tendency to binge. I explained it in my latest book, The Seven Principles of Stress, what causes it. But I also explain how we can block this process from happening. So inability to regulate um, 
profit feeding, generally a tendency to either gain weight, uncontrolled weight, or lose weight, um, chronic nervousness or anxiety, and inability to sleep. It's very similar. You can see the same symptoms uh, on people who are overtrained physically and people who are uh, nutritionally overstressing themselves. It's interesting that you ask because there was there were some studies that done on people who follow some kind of intermittent fasting supposed to be popular every other day. That means they fast over 24 hours and then they eat every other day. Virtually all the people could not sleep well. They show symptoms of uncomfortable. Um, they couldn't hold on to that diet for a long time. And if you cannot hold on to a diet regimen, something is very wrong with it. That means maybe all of us can do even a whole week of fasting here and there. But that doesn't mean that we have to live this way. If you have infection and you take antibiotics and they help you, that doesn't mean that you have to eat antibiotics every day. In fact, that can be detrimental for you if you do that. There is only one good intermittent fasting. is the intermittent fasting of one main meal per day. Like everything else that we evolve, we evolve to do well around the circadian clock. We sleep and we wake up. And even here, your question is very correct. But different individuals can tolerate fasting that much. I do believe in the principle of hormesis. I'm sure that you too did it and you believe in it. Build it gradually. Don't jump immediately to eight, 18 hours a day fasting because you are gamble. It either will work or it will fail. But if you build up yourself from five hours a day to six hours a day to eight hours a day, you will find the optimal time. If from any reason, exceeding certain kind of fasting threshold, after several weeks, usually six weeks is a good optimum time. Let's say somebody's fasting eight or 10 hours and they still start to get the symptom of chronic stress, then you overdid it. My solution, don't cut on the fasting. Start to do the under eating trick. Have yourself more greens, more vegetables, a little bit berries, these are not going to disrupt much your fasting and your body will thank you very much because you'll benefit from all the advantages of fasting. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. I have, I have a question about circadian rhythms that I wanted to, to get in here. Um, I don't know if you've been following the latest trend in the intermittent fasting world. Um, there's been some research that indicates that the best time to have our eating window is early in the day instead of late in the day. Both Melanie and I are, are evening eaters. <laughs> we're, we're evening eaters. We, we don't like the early eating window. And I know that in the warrior diet, you talked about how you like to have the end of the day eating as well. Have you read or heard anyone talking about this? And um, I just really was interested in your take because I could never live with an early in the day eating window. That would not work for me. But how do you think that that works with the idea of circadian rhythms? You know, these huge limitations, not only on the science today, on how people read it and manipulate it to come with theories. So currently the science of biology, it used to be based just on observation, still is. So they observe this, and they check the hormonal level here, and they realize the hormonal reach certain kind of a peak in the morning, and then they reach this. Among whom? Among what gender? It's still unclear what are the group of people that they check and what caused them and what regime. There are so many unclear factors, and sometimes there are even commercial interests between all this observation. Leave all that alone for a side. The biggest problem with science currently is that several decades ago, with the disappearance, with the appearance of quantum mechanics, um, science is now realized that it's not on bankruptcy, but the theory of observation is almost on bankruptcy. Now it's not anymore the science of facts, it's a science of possibilities. When you realize that when you go down to the physical particle, 
And Albert Einstein himself admitted that this is the area that he himself is quite lost. And when you realize that one particle can be in two places at the same time, and all matter is actually energy, cross-convertible, and when you know that, again, in Jewish mysticism, in the Kabbalah, it has been known way thousands of years ago that matter of energy are the same. Then you realize that the theory of observation, especially checking this plumbing of checking the hormonal of certain kind of people, how they fluctuate, and coming to conclusion from that is absolutely BS. Yay, I love hearing you say that. <laughs> we get this a lot, and a lot of people are just taking this as gospel that they should eat in the morning think, instead. Think, yes, think about all the theory in the world. You... Guys, you too, other people on the front, you do it. You know from your experience what is the best time to eat. You know from your experience on your energy level what happened when you eat the big breakfast versus what happened when you eat the big dinner before you go to sleep. So it's all coming down to your level of energy, wellness, joy from life, and capacity to perform. If you want to perform like a robot, okay, I got my blueprint in this observation. My testosterone level is this, my estrogen level is this, it's time to eat in the morning. You're going to suffer the consequences. And then another research, so why am, I, why am I sluggish during the day after the big meal? Why am I becoming sleepy at this? Instead of going and putting yourself like a guinea pig, it just makes sense that during the hours of the day, when all basic serious research show that under fasting, um, all the cellular factors that make you alert, all the hormone, all the metabolic pathways that make you alert and efficient in utilizing energy, especially AMPK, are activated, that's the time to fast. It's time to fast during the time that you need to be mostly physically active and then compensate just before you go to sleep. And the last factor is this. Look, I wrote about it in my last book. The key element here is energy depletion, exactly the opposite of what we learn by the world that we are surrounded. The industry tell you, eat, 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 just open TV commercial. And they're great, funny commercial. Morning cereal, and you see all these cute cartoons, and you go to the supermarket, and you see Quaker Oats, smiling at you, and I'm Jemima, and all these guys, believe me, they kill and destroy more people than any world wars today. What they do, they ask you to do something that is absolutely destructive to your body. People, you need to understand that what triggers our survival is energy depletion. That's why we benefit from fasting, and that's why we benefit from exercise. Nobody can tell you that exercise is bad for you, but exercise do a lot of destructive effect. It triggers your body to respond to the stress. There are muscle tears in the tissues and they especially depletion of energy. It's this depletion of energy that activate your most powerful longevity pathway, AMPK, AMP activated protein kinase. It is sensitive on the cellular level on the energy, when the cellular level is depleted of energy, when ATP go down and AMP, the monophosphate, go up, it activates your longevity pathway, AMPK, it shifts your body to from carb to fat burning, it activates the heat shock protein response, all this multiply benefit, and you basically are better suited to survive and to live longer. Why would you give up on that? It gives you a great feeling. You know that. You're doing it for years. You, you know the feeling, so it's not a theory. So I see this roly-poly scientist who never did intermittent fasting sitting <laughs> with his belly and eyeglasses and doing some studs on hormone 11, and he come to the conclusion. Many of them never jump to the water. Now, how can you write theory about swimming if you never swim. I love it. We, we just hear it so frequently now because it's making the rounds in the intermittent, intermittent fasting world. So I really wanted to get your take on it. So I appreciate that a lot. 
Yeah, I loved hearing that. And then like for me personally, so I've actually been trying to gain weight recently. And so even though I've been doing intermittent fasting for years and it works so well and it's so amazing, I kind of succumbed to the pressure of, oh, well, I guess I should just start eating big meals all throughout the day. And I experimented with doing that and it really makes me feel not good. <laughs> um, I'm not gain. I didn't really gain weight from it and it's just, it's not working for me. And I reading your, um, seven principles of stress, I think really made me understand how I could like how I needed to <laughs> accept the fact that the fasting is still a beneficial stress. And so make other adjustments to my eating window, like maybe eating more or like you talked about eating the fasting, mimicking things during the day. Um, but so that's, so that is a question that I have a very selfish question. So if uh, listeners are looking to gain weight, or to maintain weight with intermittent fasting and they find that they're either losing too much weight or that they can't gain weight um how how would they do that while still practicing intermittent fasting it's very simple and because the question is so um deep in my opinion uh people somehow programming the mind that intermittent fasting for spiritual people want to live long we the young people want to be a muscle it's not for us we, the athlete, it's not for us. You're wrong. If you're an athlete or young guys, it still fit you. Male, female, athlete, or a priest or a rabbi, it all fit you. Believe me, it fits you. So listen, many years ago, five decades ago, I believe, or so, maybe even more, um, the guy who created one of the pioneers of the ketogenic diet, Professor Kaghio, um, came with the introduction to the whole idea of the ketones and the benefits. Uh, by the way, he, he never recommended the ketogenic diet the way it is now. The ketogenic diet is a medical diet that targeted mostly kids against attacks of epilepsy, okay, etc. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a subject by itself. But he clearly already showed about the anabolic potential, anabolic impact of fasting. Melanie, when you fast, when you don't eat, and the same with Jane, by the end of the day, after hours of fasting, and especially if you exercise while fasting, even deplete more, your body gets in a supreme anabolic mode, means you are going to be so efficient in utilizing the nutrient that you eat, especially the protein, that the anabolic, the repair effect on the muscle is way, way superior. But there is another element here. It's the improvement in your muscle quality, in the tissue quality. That's something that you cannot read in Muscle Magazine. That's too dumb to understand. They look for the beef, for the size of the muscle, and, and I'm talking here not just about art, I'm talking about all the women in the world who don't want to be beefy, but they want to be in a great shape. There was no evolutionary advantage for us to carry overgrown muscle. It's a dysfunctional tissue that takes too much energy. The type to be muscle, the typical bodybuilder or the beefy muscle are totally carb addicts. They have no durability. Some, most of these muscles cannot even do intense stress for more than 30 seconds or a minute, an hour. But our survival need much more than that. Sometimes minutes can determine when you're alive, living or dying, you're going to live or die. So we have a program to develop a much better quality muscle, muscle with better fibers. Ironically, this muscle doesn't look much bigger, but my God, it is so much better. It's a fast fiber, type 2A, convert to type 2AX, or even the type B. Look, it's a, if, no, the type B that I just talked about convert into type 2A, but not the other way. Why there is a evolutionary conversion to one direction and not to the other? There is a reason. Because the type 2A, the other fast muscle fiber, the one that you know big, can utilize both fuels, not just carb, also fat. 
It has much higher mitochondrial destiny. And Jane and Melanie, every time you fast, you trigger mechanism or cellular cofactor, eh, sorry, or transcription cofactor that signal your muscle to improve mitochondria density. Every time you exercise while fasting, you imp- trigger signal to improve your muscle quality. So you can be very lean as you are, maybe even skinny as you are, but pound for pound, you can outperform the big bodybuilders by all means. Your muscle utilizes better energy. Your muscle resists the aging process. Did you ever see old bodybuilders? They look like old prunes. <laughs> we should not age this way. We should give our body the chance to be, keep itself in a quality that resists aging. So living long is the top priority. Being strong is not the top priority. As humans, we manage to be on the top of the chain because we were smarter and we could adapt regimen that help us keep improved. We are not the strongest species among apes, gorillas, and even chimpanzees pound for pound, much stronger than us. Yet we can outperform them because we are smarter. Not all of them are so smarter. Yeah. But we're supposed to be. So the, the energies in our brain. <laughs> if I can summarize what you just said in layman's terms for listeners, can you tell me if this is right? So basically, when it comes to muscle building and muscle strength and muscle performance, are mu- there are different types of muscles. And they our muscles can either run on carbs or they can run on fats or ideally they can be they can adequately utilize both uh, carbs and fats as a source of fuel and the healthiest version to have is that type of muscle fiber that runs on fats and carbs and intermittent fasting can promote that type of muscle critically even more so look when you look at every recent research you show that under really survival mode there must be efficient switch from carb to fat fuel the body has to be able to survive a good athletic muscle should be able to use triglyceride fat as fuel rather than just carb cannot be carb dependent and indeed it shows that good biologically developed muscle not only can use this triglyceride to perform, it prevents you ever from getting obese. It will mm-hmm. suck all the fat from your system. Obese people with inferior muscle quality, muscle is the largest energy producing uh, organ in your body. It should be able to suck up all the fat from the circulation and your fat cell when you break. But if you have the inferior muscle composition, it won't do the job. In fact, the shifting of fat into the muscle can create a marble. It actually can deteriorate the muscle. So here is two muscles, one athletic with fat triglyceride that can be easily utilized for fuel, and another muscle that had fat accumulated inside that destroyed the muscle because simply the fat is nowhere to go. It's very, very important to understand it. And even the obese animal that people eat today I suffer from the same problem. That's another reason why not to eat farm animals that are overfed to the state of obesity. You get the signal of obesity from the animal that you eat, let alone against the cruelty that I just discussed. So there are multiply layer why you should keep a lean, biologically advanced body. But the last thing is this, Melanie. You want to gain weight, take your time. So Jane, if you Take your time because keep doing the routine that works for you. Gradually increase perhaps the protein during the main meal. Perhaps have a protein snack in the afternoon. I coach many athletes and we got great results. Great results. My son is a semi-pro athlete. He is building extremely well. Mm-hmm. So I don't see. It's just building quality, not just size. Building quality, size and quality. As we get older, our priority is not to gain size anymore, but keep the quality. But if mm-hmm. at your stage you want to gain, give your body this time. You're, you're not going to a bodybuilding competition right now. You're just doing it with yourself. It's a huge advantage. Give yourself the time. You can try instead of 
killing inter uh, intermittent fasting, moving to the typical six meals that basically shatter your body. Shift to under eating. Maybe instead of just green, you can have in the afternoon a nice, uh, if you tolerate dairy, light dairy, it can be yogurt or whey protein or something. I always prefer food, you know, um, something that will be assimilating light, low in fat, fast, and gradually increase the protein. And you don't need to do it every day, Melanie. You can do it three times a week, see how it goes. You're, you're, you will gain, but you will gain a lean, good mess. Not just, there is no reason to overfeed the body to gain. Give you the wrong signal. Yeah, and something else I tried, and then you spoke about in your book, and I was like, this makes sense too. Um, I tried in my meals having both high fat and high carb and high protein um, all together. And it just made me feel not good. And then I read the section in your book where you're talking about having high fat days versus having high carb days and having, having protein in both, how it confused the body if you throw all of that at once um, into your body. So yeah, I, I, I love hearing what you said. It's just making me feel good. <laughs> Look, it's all come down, the food combination all come down to a simple thing. You want to protect your insulin. Insulin is a key hormone. It, it, there's no surprise that all research show that longevity is associated with sensitive insulin. People who are centurion, all of them with no exception, have a good level, healthy level of blood sugar and healthy insulin. You cannot live long when you shatter your insulin. It's clear. Of course, there are other things. If you want to keep yourself lean, if you want to keep yourself healthy, you need to get a good insulin. If you're athletes, you need a good insulin. It's, a, it's more anabolic than testosterone itself, honestly. But to keep the insulin, you need to prevent it from overactivation. Especially when you cross a certain kind of age, it's becoming critical. In fact, I'm always saying, whatever you did as a young guy, as a growing guy, fine. You managed to grow great. Now, start to work on being smart. Change your diet when you cross a certain age. I would say 25, 30, you've got to adjust your diet. I know it sounds young, but you're not growing anymore. So, uh, when you give your body the signal to grow in a non-growing body, you may face serious problems. In bodybuilders, you see that in athletes, off the season, on the season. Off the season, they all get fat. And then on the season, they try to lose. Why do you need to get fat? Why do you need to go to this fluctuation? What is so important here? I also show in my book, the frightening statistics, how some of the greatest athletes among us, especially endurance athletes, actually cannot manage to live longer than couch potatoes. How is it that the fittest among us do not live longer than the unfittest among us? Why is it? It's because of bad diets and it's because of wrong application of training. When you overdo it with the training, you get chronic stress. When you overfeed yourself, you create horrible stress in another direction. Combine both of them and you're shortening your life regardless to how awesome you were. So I'm saying this, fitness must be redefined. We need to create our priorities. As we stop growing, we need to think about longevity. It's important to live long and quality of life in a great brain that will never age. There's no reason to get parts, Parkinson or Alzheimer, honestly, with all the respect for those who suffer from that. It's an unnecessary disease. And I truly believe that so is cancer. We need to think about it. There's nothing more important for us to be able to beat this risk, never get these diseases, live longer in a great shape, Keep ourself mentally viable, sexually viable, and with life force and curiosity that keep us creating and enjoying our life. Nothing beats it. Not your performance, not your ability to lift weights, 
not your ability to even cross the 100 meter or run uh, a marathon. Nothing can beat the species capacity to survive. It's a top priority. So that's where my argument, I know that million people accuse me, you are not athletic oriented. We need to win. We need to be on the Hall of Fame. I say yes, but you still need to better survive. It's top priority. Uh, you know what? We, we, we came to a world and I'm a big believer of free will. We always have a way to choose. In the end of the day, maybe it will take years, people come to their realization. Um, I saw so many athletes and I saw documentaries recently on football athletes, how awesome they look when they were young, how horrible they look and shape they are today. Why even taking the risk of being that way? Coming back, I believe that intermittent fasting, if it wasn't just the right, right diet regimen, it challenged people to ask all these questions. What do we want from our life? What is our purpose here? Are we just here to hang around and to see ourselves scoring physically? Or do we have another purpose? It's a good question. People should ask it. I think that is a great question. So so what is your idea of, of the, the perfect exercise regimen for someone who is doing intermittent fasting as far as like the, the right amount that they should do? What, what would you recommend? That was going to be my exact question because so Jen and I, um, we're not huge. We don't actually like go to the gym. Like for me, I actually wear weights during the day. So then when I'm moving around, everything is kind of building muscle. And I like to walk. Yeah. And so I like to just stay like movement, moving and active. Um, but yeah, no, that's, a, we get so many questions from about exercise specifically in athletes and it's not admittedly the, the forte of Jen and I. So what would a, a good exercise regimen look like for endurance and or muscle building? First, let's start it. Exercise should be an ideally when you fast. You really want to get the maximum impact. Both fasting and exercise give you activity the same pathway, but you combine them, you get even more. To trigger adaptation, I believe exercise should be no more than 30 minutes, quite honestly, for people following intermittent, intense, short with intervals. Um, I would rather you activate the whole body, even as a matter of principle, but the key is the lower body. You really want to make sure that your legs are on the ground, you walk on balance. If you like to dance or jump or anything, great. Listen to your instinct. Great, Melanie. You want to walk with the weight? Great. But if you walk, try to walk with the hands above the body, above the head, any kind of angle, push and pull. I also believe that like other animals, we are species that involve to activate activities that mimic fight or flight. Every species, look at kittens and puppy dog. I don't know if you have animals, you can see that as they are small, that's what they do. And even when they grow later, they jump on each other and they scratch and bug and run around and chase each other. It's all mimicking fight or flight activities. Uh, cat even like to ambush each other because it's, it's an ambush predator. It's a great, it's a great uh, species. Uh, I, I built a, um, a boxing gym in the patio in the office. So I, I would take my 15 minutes a day, hitting hard, speed back and moving back and heavy back. I like this fight and flight uh, moves, especially punching, but I, I'd like to combine it with medium and lightweight. I don't believe in too heavy. Um, I like to do it continuously. Sometimes 15 minutes a day, sometimes 30, but overall I feel it strong. In the end of the day, it's a signal you give to your body. What is the signal? Your body get the amount, of, but what is the signal? Since you're, anyway, Melanie, um, since you are depleting your body, and, and so are you, Jay, you're depleting your body already with the fasting. You don't need to stay two hours in the gym. Sometimes 15 minutes, they will do an amazing job. In fact, better than a guy who ate before, spent two hours, and then he's going to eat after exercise. He just lost all the impact. In the best case, he will build beef. You, on the other hand, 
get your body the signal to adapt, improve energy depletion, shifting fuel, adaptation to fat fuel, improvement of muscle quality, 15 minutes a day. Who cannot do it? And sometimes when you are very, very busy, you can even do five minutes a day. Just go intense and go for the kill, half and puff to the point that you cannot even breathe and get out of there. So maybe put on a song and just dance all out as hard as you can for five minutes. <laughs> Dancing is incredible. Just be happy with your being and trust your instinct. We are free animal. We should not supposed to be caged and we are not supposed to constantly operate by the program. So yes, restriction is very important. The ability to discipline yourself and understand the advantages of restriction for most of the day is very important. But also your instinct, your free will to be whoever you are. And I'm sure that you, uh, Melanie and Jane, you're different, you believe in the same philosophy, you're different people, slightly different body type, slightly different person. It's fine. There's nothing wrong. Intermittent fasting is for everybody, in my opinion. But everybody finds their own priorities within, and that's fine. That's why we need to share the experience. Overall, the the body will benefit virtually the same way. That is so wonderful. And I just so I'm going to throw out there for listeners: if you want more information on any of these topics that Ori talked about, so you can check out the Warrior Diet. So that's going to be the like the foundational book about the intermittent fasting concept and the history of intermittent fasting. You can check out um, Maximum Muscle, Minimum Fat for the really intense scientific details of muscle building and athletic performance. You can also check out Unlock Your Muscle Gene. It speaks to the same topic. It's not quite as intense on the science side and more, uh, just from what I read, it seemed like a more approachable <laughs> version of that. Uh, you can check out the anti-estrogenic diet if you're really interested in hormones and how to balance um, balance that in your body, especially the problem of too much estrogen today with estrogen, estrogen mimetics and our environment and our diet. So that's an amazing book. And you can also check out, I think listeners, if you pick just one, I mean, they're all amazing, but the seven principles of stress that I think you released that in November. I think last November. Yes, correct. That book is just absolutely fantastic overview of intermittent fasting and the science of fasting and, and how it benefits your body and how it can work for what we talked about on this podcast for really any type of person. It's just a matter of making it work for you. So I really, really encourage listeners to read, read all of those books, but, um, whichever one, uh, speaks your, strikes your fancy. So. Yeah. I would like to second, second the recommendation for the seven principles of stress. It was a great book and I was reading it on my Kindle and I was highlighting as I go. And when I was done, I highlight, had highlighted a lot of it. <laughs> it was a great, a great book. I appreciate, I appreciate very much. It is available in Amazon. People can always, uh, go to my Facebook or Instagram. If uh, you have any question or you want discussion, I just want to throw one last thing. We never, we evolve for real food. People don't forget it. So every time that you see some pills or vitamin or antioxidant or anything that is not natural, that do not come from plant, please avoid it. There's nothing good about this. In fact, it totally counter-effective, inhibit your ability to respond to yourself. Stay away from every chemical, whether it's a chemical sweetener or a pill or anything that you never evolved to. If you do it right and you follow it right, you cannot go wrong. And I'm looking forward to receiving your feedback and your experience in this kind of regimen. Excellent. I could not agree more. Oh, I, I could I could talk to you for another 10 million hours. This is just been... <laughs> We can have another meeting. I would I would love Yeah, if, if you're open to it, maybe in the future coming on the podcast again, we could maybe talk to listeners and see what they'd like to hear more about because there there's so many topics. Yeah, take your time, get yourself some feedback and we'll go because there's so much to discuss. Maybe it's time oh, yeah. some to focus on some stuff after this overview 
of the picture and uh, get deeper into situation. Um, there is a lot of discuss. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. We we enjoyed having you a lot. Yeah, I know our audience will love My it. My pleasure too. So, quick question. Um, so, in addition to your books, um, are there any other resources that listeners can? How should they best follow your work besides the books? Well, I said you can come. I'm pretty much active on my Facebook and Instagram. So I do respond to people. It doesn't matter how many we get. Um, Also in my Facebook, people can see people who we have testimony with incredible transformation of before and after. It's just amazing to see that again and again. And people from all over the world. This is a guy that people amazing come to me from India. It's so funny how they, you can see people petting cow like I'm petting my own dogs, you know? It's interesting. It's just another view of life. And um, and I think soon I'm gonna come with some announcements a bit early, not too early, but a bit early because I'm working currently on some project uh, to resolve the problem of sugar in today's world. Sugar, I see sugar is central to our current epidemics uh, of obesity, diabetic, metabolic syndrome, and the industry miserably failed to offer solutions. So I've been working for seven years on creating a solution to this. This time is not just a theory. It's a product that I believe can resolve the problem and we are now finishing doing testing and it's working extremely well to remove sugar completely without you even knowing in area that all sweetener totally failed, which is baking. You couldn't today if you look at any sweetener baking mix, it's all made with sugar or maltodextrin. So we innovated a product that can do miracles and it's oh, all wow. all plant based. All natural. So I, I'm I'm now into new things, but I'm not. It's not this time now. We touch on everything basic. Maybe soon we can talk about some other stuff that is deeper into the details. Wonderful. So for listeners, if you go to ifpodcast.com slash episode 61, that's where we'll have links and references and everything that we talked about today. So if you go there, we'll put links to everything that we just talked about. So definitely check that out. And then um, a few other things for listeners before we go. You can go to ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all of the stuff that we like. Maybe someday in the in the future, we'll have a links to that that product that you're developing, the, the sugar, the, the fake, the non-sugar. Good chance. Good chance you will soon. Okay, that's exciting. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. And stay in touch, honestly. All right. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. We'll have a wonderful day. Thank you, Ori. You too. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.